Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Kids are back to school around here today, so it, it feels weird. You know, it's like you go through that whole, you know, holiday haze thing where you're not sure what day it is or what time it is or if you had, if you got to be somewhere or if somebody's coming over. And then all of a sudden we go right back into the schedule I kind of like the schedule. I guess I'm a person that really enjoys routine. But um, I didn't like the alarm clock going off. And then it turns out I didn't have to bring the kid to school. So that worked out okay. But uh, it is a different day and time. So my hope is, is now that we're kind of getting back into school, maybe I can get these shows recorded a little bit earlier in the day. Uh, you guys should have this uh, you know, mid, early to mid-afternoon today on Wednesday. But uh, there's a lot going on, a lot to talk about. I know you guys want some answers. I'm going to do my best to provide them as best I can. There are some questions you guys have there simply is no answer for right now, which is what's going on with Mississippi State Defensive Coordinator Zach Arnett. Now, he is a very talented coach. And here's the thing that I think is amazing. You know, a, a year ago, people were thinking, oh, my gosh, who did Mississippi State hire? Mike Leach, of course, big fans of Rocky Long. Rocky Long, of course, uh, kind of you know, took the th- the uh, three three five alignment from Jolie Dunn and uh, kind of modernized it. And so Zach played in that scheme and then understudied as a GA in that scheme and eventually became a defensive coordinator with Rocky at San Diego State. But when Mike Leach hired him, you know, he reached out to Rocky Long, who was a you know trusted confidant, and said, "Hey, we need to go get a guy." And, and so. Zach Arnett becomes the guy. And there were so many people that were like, oh, I can't believe this. He's never called plays before. He's not ready for this. He's a first-time coordinator. And now a year later, we've got Texas and Notre Dame and LSU and others that have all been mentioned in connection with him. Now, I think it's important to understand, too, a lot of these are not sourced reports. And so what I mean by that is, and listen, we deal with this sometimes, too, over a jeans page. As soon as there is an opening, people expect names. Okay, well, who are we going to go get? So you, you start working the phones, and you try to get some information out there. And a lot of times when these coaching searches happen, it's all kind of – it's so new, there's not a lot of credible information. And so what happens is people put lists together and say, you know what, this guy makes sense. This guy makes sense. This, this lady makes sense. Just like when we put together the uh, you know, hot board for women's basketball. Had a source share Nikki McRae Pinson, and I'm happy to say Robbie Falconer had her mentioned on our very first hot coaching board. But there were some other names, just, you know, people that we knew in the past had expressed some level of interest in coaching at Mississippi State or people that had connections to Mississippi. And so you put that list together, and then as more credible information comes in, you kind of refine your search a bit, and those names fall off. It's just like, you know, I can't count how many times Mississippi State's had to hire a defensive line coach and then Brick Haley has been mentioned as a potential candidate. Well, a lot of that is because, you know, Brick is a guy that likes Mississippi State and for a long time he still maintained a residence here in the offseason. And so it made sense. You know, and then you talk to Brick or talk to people around Brick and said, yeah, he's, he's kind of open to talking. But he's happy at Missouri now. And so those things happen. Every time that those defensive line positions came open, Brick's name was mentioned as a preliminary candidate. And then once we got into, you know, the nitty-gritty of the deal, Brick kind of fell off. And in order for Brick to leave Missouri, it would take a very, you know, significant opportunity. But uh, be that as it may, you know, that's kind of what we're dealing with right now with Zach Arnett. I'm not going to sit here and tell you there's not some fire to some of the smoke because I believe there is. But as of now, there has not been a formal job offer extended from what I understand. And I know, listen, as soon as his name is mentioned, people begin to freak out. He was mentioned in connection with the LSU job, and then that report kind of you know, petered out pretty quick. But here's the deal I think people need to fully appreciate. It, is, you know, we broke the news on Gene's page that Zach had signed a contract extension. There is a sizable buyout in that contract extension. And so whoever would want to hire him would have to buy out the contract. And so good on John Cohen and Mark Keenum and and those in administration for kind of moving to get that done because we knew that he would be a candidate. That's not to say that a blue blood program like Texas or LSU or Florida or somebody like that couldn't write a big check because they certainly could. 
but John Cohen and Mississippi State Administration have kind of priced our net out of the market for a lot of people. So that's not to say that he's not going to Texas. That's not to say that Texas is going to look at that and say, oh, we know, let's get somebody else. If they really want him, they're going to get out the checkbook, they're going to write Mississippi State a check, and uh, he's going to go to Texas. And some people would say, well, Steve, he's under contract. Exactly, he is under contract, which is why Mississippi State has some provisions and some protections in place that they would have to buy out the contract. It's not as simple as uh, some people think, oh, well, he signed a contract extension, then there's no way anybody else could hire him. Listen, every coach that's hired out there, with the exception of guys that are out of coaching, are under a contract with somebody. Some of them just have you know varying degrees of buyouts that have to be paid. And so at this point, and of course things can change before this episode is over or before you have an opportunity to listen to it, but at this point, there's not a lot of information to know other than Zach Arnett is a candidate of interest for multiple programs. And I'll feel a whole lot better when Texas hires somebody. I'll feel a whole lot better when LSU hires somebody. LSU's already hired some offensive coaches, and so they're kind of moving forward to formalize and finalize their staff. And so the sooner those things happen, the better. And again, I'm not worried about the Syracuses or the Georgia Techs of the world. I'll do respect to them. Because they're not going to go out and write that kind of check. But, you know, you know, big blue blood type programs that are ready to win now, they're going to write that check. And so that's kind of where we are. Uh, and, again, there's a part of you – know, every time that somebody is mentioned in connection with a job, there's a portion of our fan base that absolutely panics. Then there's another one that kind of holds their breath a little bit. And considering the traffic that we've had over the years, the defensive coordinator position, you know, some of that is warranted. But Dan Mullen's not here. And, and here's the thing that I think it's important for people to understand. You go back and look at all the defensive coaches that we've had, with the exception of Peter Sermon, dating all the way back to the Sylvester Croom era, dating back to the Jolie Dunn era at Mississippi State. Defense is in our culture. This state produces NFL talent on the defensive side of the football. We're not necessarily especially skilled offensively, but we produce defensive players, especially defensive linemen. You can look up and down the NFL uh, salary list and you can see several Mississippi State alums making a lot of coin playing professional football. So we were playing great defense before Zach Arnett got here. We'll play great defense after Zach Arnett is gone, whether it be now, two years from now, three years from now, whatever. We've got two Power 5 head coaches right now in the ACC that were former D.C.s at Mississippi State and Jeff Collins and Manny Diaz. So no matter who the coach has been, we have been able to lure and hire great DCs. We hadn't always been able to keep them, but we've been able to get guys in here, and we've been able to maintain very solid defensive efforts despite our talent level at times. And so my hope is Zach Arnett stays a part of this program for you know a couple more years and then gets an opportunity to be a G5 head coach somewhere and move on up. I think Zach Arnett is a rising star in the profession. And I know when Mike Leach hired him, he kind of took a chance on him. And there is some loyalty involved in every bit of that too. There is, there is a bit of, you know, there's a factor. And Zach and I have talked about that before in interviews. Mississippi State and Mike Leach took a chance on him as really, you know, an unproven D.C. from San Diego State. But he fit the pedigree that Mike Leach was looking for, so we went out and hired him. And so I don't think that Zach will ever leave just for another D.C. job. But, you know, if the University of Texas, and people forget this, Texas has the highest athletic budget in the country. Number two is Texas A&M. And so when Texas gets ready to go get somebody, money is never the issue. They can find the right fit culturally. They'll make a move. Chris Del Conte is a defensive coordinator out there, pardon me, athletic director out there that, uh, you know, probably is tied to this Steve Sarkeesian hire. You know, they haven't been great in football. They haven't been great in basketball. They haven't been great in baseball. And so the Oconte needs to get this thing turned around. Yeah, you've been competitive with some other sports, but they haven't, they're not really a national power much of anything right now. You go out and hire Vic Schaefer, you try to improve your women's basketball standing. And that's not to say Texas has been an also-ran in women's hoops, but they're ready to take the next step. And so 
I know that uh, Texas and Del Conte and those guys, so you know what, if, if Zach Arnett is the guy that gets us back into contention for the Big 12, then we're going to make that move. So you may have tuned in today say, okay, well, Steve will be the voice of reason here and he'll tell us that everything's going to be okay. I don't know that it's going to be okay as far as retaining Zach Arnett. I hope that it is, but I don't know that. But I do know that Mississippi State is going to be okay defensively. We would probably be more okay next year if we're able to retain Zach Arnett. But I have no doubt that Mike Leach is going to be able to go out there uh, and find a good guy if he can't retain his own guy. Because we've always had good guys. What we'd like to have is some continuity on the defensive side of the football. I think that's one of the things that probably kept Dan Mullen uh, from getting to Atlanta. Continuity on the defensive side of the football, better recruiting efforts, and a little less conservative play calling in big games. That's probably the three, three things you look at. Probably kept us from getting to Atlanta. But even when we've had bad football teams, we've had great defenses. I remember even in the Sylvester Croom years, people were, you know, talked about how ferocious the Mississippi State defense was, even though we couldn't score points on offense. I would say, other than the Ron Cooper year in 03, I guess it was, you know, we've had some great DCs here. Ron Cooper, not one of them. And that's what happens when you get a lame duck coach in there. You know, a lot of people knew Jackie was embattled in trouble and at the end of his tenure here at Mississippi State. And so the, the, your, your talent pool for hiring assistant coaches is somewhat shallow. People don't want to make that move and you know, uproot their families for, for what they think may be a one-year job. And so that's how you end up with Ron Cooper. But we're not going to hire Ron Cooper. And if we do, maybe it's a more seasoned Ron Cooper to go around. But you understand my point is that we have always been good on defense – I suspect we always will be because that, that is the talent that what this state produces. We produce defensive talent. Small-town Mississippi guys play great defense. I mean, just you, you can look around our state. You know, some of the better players, I mean, you, you go back, you know, state, Ole Miss, Southern combined, you know, we have put multiple defensive players in the National Football League. Of course, Mississippi State's done that with more regularity this decade. But we're going to be fine. With or without Zach Arnett, we're going to be fine. But I'm not going to sit here and glaze over this and say it wouldn't be a major strike because it would be. It would absolutely stink to have to replace Arnett because I really believe a lot of these players have bought into this scheme. They bought into his way of doing things. And it hadn't always been easy, okay? That hadn't been the, that isn't the case. You know, there, there was some – people think, oh, well, you had all these offensive players opting out. You know, there was some growing pains on defense too. And we're, we obviously were better than we expected to be defensively. But then you, you had some guys that left. You had some other guys that threatened to leave, that didn't leave, that hung in here and played. But you've got a nucleus of good players there coming back, and we've got some great signees coming in. And so we're going to be fine. We've got athletes on defense kind of rebuild some things up front, but we're going to be fine. But my hope is Zach Arnett's with us for a little bit longer. I know you guys share in that, that hope. Let's face it, friends. We live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You got fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? 
There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient. It's safe. It's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. One of the things you don't have to hope for, somebody that's never going to leave you, it's Bulldog Burger Company. They're not going to pack up and leave town. They're excited and ready to go. You need to go by and see them, get a great restaurant-quality hamburger right here in town on University Drive or on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Bulldog Burger Company, part of a great family of restaurants that have served the Golden Triangle many, many years. They know how to feed folks. They'll make your night out a great night out every single time. Go buy, have the spring rolls for the appetizer that make everybody better looking. You can have the Lauren, you can have the Bryant, you can have the Smokehouse, or maybe you want that sweet heat chicken sandwich. Maybe you want the BLT salad. they got a lot of options to choose for from it's not just burgers, but that's what they specialize in. So if you're looking for a fun night out with the family, look no further than Bulldog Burger Company. You can make it a date night, you can make it family night, you can make it guys night, girls night, whatever. Go buy, have an adult beverage, have a chocolate shake. You can run the gambit right there at Bulldog Burger Company, the place for people in Starkville and Tupelo go to meet, M-E-A-T. In other Mississippi State news, Bulldog running back Lee Witherspoon has entered the NCAA transfer portal, not completely unexpected. You know, Mississippi State's kind of recruited over him a little bit. I believe Dylan Johnson's Aquavius Marks probably fit what we want to do long-term a little bit better than, than Lee does. I, I wish Lee the best. I really do. You know, we had that great senior season there at North Jackson, set an Alabama high school state record for touchdowns. And uh, we bulked him up a little bit and uh, made a running back out of him. And, uh, you know, he's running third team. And you only get a short time in life to play sports, right? And so nobody wants to be a tackle dummy for somebody else. Everybody wants to be out there and be on the field. I don't blame Lee for moving on. Wish him the absolute best. I do think it's interesting that both running backs that Charles Huff signed – Two years ago, super recruiter Charles Huff, both of them in the transfer portal this year. Right now, Kareem Walker in the transfer portal, played in exactly two games in two years for Mississippi State, sat out 2019 as an academic redshirt, played on special teams against uh, Kentucky and Texas A&M this year, and then went through the NCAA transfer portal. Kareem will be a grad transfer, so he'll have an opportunity to play somewhere else. And it's so interesting to look at his path. Uh, but now – Again, that was the thought process then is that we put so much time and effort into getting John Embry, and we were all in there. And I think some of that is just kind of the naivety of Huff and those guys to not fully appreciate how recruiting in the Southeastern Conference worked. You're not going to go into Louisiana and get a kid that LSU really wants. 
Not if you're Mississippi State. That might happen if you're Alabama. Might happen if you maybe if you're Texas A&M, but it doesn't happen if you're Mississippi State. And right now, people are saying, "Well, Steve, LSU offered Dak. Yeah, they offered him late, and uh, because of the fact that Dak is what was what four and a half hours away from Baton Rouge, you know, up there in the Arklatex and Houghton, and so there's not the same level of pressure there as there would be, say, in New Orleans or Alexandria or Baton Rouge or Lafayette." But when you're in the river parishes, and for those of you who don't know, that's you know, the river parishes right there. If you've been in New Orleans, you see the little uh, the little spur there for 310 to going towards Boutte. There's a joke I could say. You could keep going to New Orleans and find some booty there. But uh, you go to Boutte there at 310, and uh, that takes you along the river parishes. You know, St. James, St. John, all that right there. That is huge, huge, huge LSU country. There is a better chance of getting a kid out of New Orleans than there is getting a kid out of River Parishes. It just doesn't work that way. I mean, it's just, you know, there's so much local pressure there. And it's not necessarily negative pressure. Like, some people don't fully appreciate that. But, um, you know, there's so many people walking down the hallway in school, everybody's wearing an LSU shirt. Man, can't wait to see you to see you be a Tiger. Can't wait to see you beat Alabama. Can't wait to see you beat Nick, Nick Saban. Can't wait to see you take us to a national championship game. And you know what? When they commit to another school, everybody's like, yeah, man, good luck, good luck, good luck. It's not the same deal. And then every store you go into, it's like, hey, listen, I really hope you change your mind. Really hope that you'll give LSU a chance. And that, listen, that's not even counting all the impermissible benefits and that kind of stuff that goes on in college football recruiting. I'm just thinking the local pressure. When everybody around you wants you to go to LSU, chances are you're going to go to LSU. And when John Emery, when all that happened, when he did not announce from Mississippi State on his birthday, and that's one thing that we've learned the hard way, right? Whenever a guy is expected to announce from Mississippi State and he changes the date, there's trauma. There's always, there's a reason. It's never, well, we just need a day or two. No, there's always a major issue. And the day that John Emery elected to delay his announcement, I had one of my friends that lives and works in the River Parishes say, the kid's going to LSU. And I'm like, okay. He goes, yeah, it's done. He's going to LSU. Now, the same person had told me for months that uh, John Emery's dad didn't want him going to LSU, didn't feel like he was a priority to LSU, and wanted him to go somewhere he could be the guy. And Mississippi State had promised John Emery he could be the guy. Charles Huff told him, you are our guy. We're not even really going to offer other running backs uh, outside of you. Emery comes up here with his girlfriend and his best friend and, and his girlfriend, and they come hang out and have a great time, and listen, it's all done, right? Well, then he didn't announce, and we knew there was trouble. We knew it, and my buddy's like, dude, he's going to LSU. A couple days later, he announces for Georgia. My guy says, Steve, it's a smokescreen. He's going to LSU, and you know what? He went to LSU. He ain't having a great career there, but he went to LSU. You could argue he might have had a better career at Mississippi State, but you know what? He was part of a national championship team, even as a reserve, and that's something you could never take away. Many of us would be happy to be a bench warmer on a uh, national championship team, right? Be part of all that. Be an experience last your lifetime. But because of the fact that we were so committed to John Emery, and again, not fully understanding the labyrinth that is Louisiana recruiting, we kind of got caught with our pants down. Well, then it's like, all right, well, what are we going to do if Colin Hill goes pro? Oh, we got to go get a JUCO back. Okay, well, who are we going to go get? Well, I got a relationship with Kareem Walker. Okay, who else offered him? Well, nobody. We can get him. And so we got to go get him as a stopgap guy just in case we need a veteran guy. And then he gets here and he can't play. And then, like, well, what do we got to do? We got to get a high school guy because we got, you know, we're kind of running thin on running backs here. We got to go out there and get us a high school guy because what are we going to do? You know, we got, you know, Nick Gibson and, and Colin Hill could both be gone. And so we got to go get a young guy, too, to kind of balance out the roster. So we go get the late bloomer and Lee Witherspoon. And in the end, none of it worked out. We didn't get Emory. Kareem Walker played two games on special teams, and Lee Witherspoon uh, was largely a reserve back here, and now is in the portal. And so when you look back in hindsight, you say, you listen, you know, where did things kind of go wrong? That's one of those things that I look at. When we look back in hindsight and kind of analyze recruiting, we mismanaged running back recruiting in that class. Now, the good thing is, as Terry Richardson came in last year, 
and went out and signed two four-star running backs, which is incredible to me. You know, Charles Huff, and you, you think I'm maybe a little bit hard on Huff, and maybe I am, but he's probably about to win a national championship as a coach, so congratulations there, uh, Charles. But, uh, you know, he came in with this reputation as being the big-game hunter, and he never landed any big game at Mississippi State. He didn't. And so Terry Richardson comes in and signs two four-star running backs. It just so happened both of those guys had some connections to Mississippi State. But Terry Richardson shows up, not heralded as a big-time recruiter uh, in the state of Mississippi, but he was a guy, obviously, that understood Power 5 recruiting. He had worked at Miami. He was a guy that was a recruiting coordinator at Miami. People look and said, well, he's at UConn. Well, and then he comes down here and gets two four-star running backs. I don't think it's difficult to recruit running backs to the state of Mississippi. I, I, I don't. And I, I think even with this new offensive system that we're going to run, we're going to be able to find guys that will fit. But the fact that Kareem Walker and Lee Witherspoon are both in the portal, I don't blame them for that. I, I don't. To be fair with you, I don't think either one of those guys ever really had a real chance to be the starter here. I just don't think they had that kind of potential. It's not to say they couldn't play here and contribute. But I think we got a little lazy. I think we invested so much time and effort into John Emery, and then when things didn't work out, then we were left scrambling. And we go out and we take a couple of guys. And in many ways, I think we did them a disservice. And you got, well, we got to get guys, and we do. And so we could get a couple of guys, but well, now they're in the portal. And then the two guys that Terry Richardson signed last year end up being the starters this year and are kind of the nucleus moving forward. And so we're expected to take two running backs next year. And with Lee Witherspoon moving on, that just kind of shows how much more important that is. I don't know if you go take a Juco guy, even as a depth guy, not a Kareem Walker type guy, but go get a guy, maybe a bounce back guy that can come in and, uh, you know, give you some experience to kind of balance a depth chart. If not, you're going to be chasing freshman running backs all the time. But I think we're in pretty good hands kind of moving forward. But you got to think your number three guy next year is going to be a true freshman. You played this year with uh, two true freshman starters most of the year, and Emily Weatherspoon was a sophomore, was your third team guy. So now you're looking at two, at two return freshmen, right? So basically your depth chart next year is all freshmen at running back. The benefit is, is that Jaquavius Marks and Dylan Johnson had a year of experience under their belt. So they're only a year of a freshman in eligibility, but in experience, they're going to be second-year players. So, absolutely wish Lee Weatherspoon the best. He's a great kid from a great family, and uh, wish it would have worked out better. But uh, at the end of the day, it's not the Boy Scouts. It's the Southeastern Conference. Nobody's guaranteed playing time in this league. Today's top ten list brought to you by the fine folks at my bookie. You guys are well aware my bookie's been with me a long time. My bookie, if you want to have some skin in the game – they're here to help you do that. I know a lot of you have reached out to me and said, you know what, I've never really done this online gambling thing before, but it's kind of cool. And it's probably no cooler than anywhere than my bookie. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, they'll match your deposit up to 50%. So let's say for an example, you uh, make a deposit of, say, 600 bucks. Well, they're going to give you 300 bucks of house money to play with. So you're automatically gambling with 900 right out of the gate. That's how it works. And so they're giving you house money to play with. And so there's not a lot of other people are going to do that for you. They're going to do it. Fast payouts, great promotions, great contests. And there's so much to bet on right now. The NBA is back. NFL playoffs are here this weekend. Uh, and it's going to, Sunday's going to be a huge game. Saturday and Sunday both. We're just we're packed with NFL stuff. And then, of course, we get into National Championship Monday, uh, assuming the COVID uh, protocols, uh, you know, work out for us. But there's a lot to invest in if you're into online gambling, and there's no better place to do it than my bookie. Use promo code BONEYARD to unlock your offer there. Again, that's matching your initial deposit up to 50%. All right, so top 10 list. We, uh, we had a lot of success with the uh, George Strait list last week. We have done a ton of these lists, and uh, since Roy Samante started putting these top 10 lists on Spotify for you guys, we've been tracking the numbers to see, you know, what does well, what doesn't. Number one, Journey. Number two, Foreigner. Two great classic rock bands. Number three, George Strait. So I had many of you reach out and said, Steve, I love the George Strait list, but you should have had this song. You should have had that one. We expected some of that. We're going to do another country music legend today, and then we're going to do some R&B on Friday. 
I like this to be, you know, a show for, for people of all different tastes and genres and that sort of stuff, you know. Um, but so Waylon Jennings is the guy we're going to do today. Waylon Jennings, it's, uh, it's, it's special to me because I remember being a kid, you know, riding around with my dad in his uh, Monte Carlo, and um, we had A-Track. And so we listened to an awful lot of Waylon Jennings. We listened to some Jerry Reed, listened to some Juice Newton, but we listened to a whole lot of Waylon Jennings. And I, and I used to know every, every word to every one of those songs. And uh, that's what kind of turned me on to Willie Nelson, was Waylon Jennings. And uh, he was such a great singer. And then um, and you learn more about him as you live. And then you begin to re- appreciate you know, his greatness. And he was a guy that had many faults and had some real issues and some demons. But uh, he battled through most of that. But he is a country music hall of famer and uh, one of the great balladeers of our lifetime. So here are my top 10 Waylon Jennings songs, and some of you probably thought was I would never expect this from Steve, but you didn't know about the A-Tracks, right? You didn't know. You didn't know. Simple as that. All right, so number 10 on the list is uh, a little bit different than most of the things that are in the Waylon Jennings catalog, but it's I Ain't Living Long Like This. And that was, that was the thing, too, about Waylon, is all these people today talk about outlaw country. They have no idea what outlaw country is. You know, Waylon Jennings probably the first outlaw of true outlaw country music. You know, you never saw him out there in some bedazzled jeans uh, and a bent-up baseball cap and, uh, you know, suntan and all that sort of stuff and, you know, wearing his um, his seashell necklace. That Nah, Waylon Jennings was a real deal. And so a lot of the stuff that he lived, he wrote about. And that was one of them. I ain't living long like this. Number nine, another one, a song that's been, that's been covered by several people, and a lot of us probably have felt this way at some point, is Tonight the Bottle Let Me Down. He's trying to drink his sorrows away and drink memories of his ex away, and uh, it didn't work out that night. Number eight, a classic tune, Are You Sure Hank Done It This Way? Homage to Hank Williams Sr., you know, and again, one of those classic tunes that uh, everybody knows. Even if you don't, even if you've heard it in a while, you put it on, you're like, yeah, I remember this one. Number seven at one point was my favorite Waylon Jennings song. I didn't know any girl named Amanda, but I loved the song. Great tune. Thought Waylon wrote it well, sang it well. Number six, one that probably applies to most of us, but it's I've always been crazy. And I love the live version from the last concert when Travis Tritt gets up and uh, plays guitar and sings the second verse. And just looking at the connection between those two, you could tell Travis Tritt had a real, real respect for Waylon Jennings. And Waylon had that same level of respect for Travis. It was really cool to watch that. You can pull it up on YouTube and watch it. I think you'd appreciate that. But uh, I've always been crazy, and it's the only thing that's kept me from going insane, right? Number five, uh, and I get it. I'm a rambling man. This is one of those, uh, my dad had this album. I think we had it on vinyl and on 8-track. It's just one of those things that, you know, when you ride the roads a lot, you develop an appreciation for the highwayman, and Will and Jennings was certainly one of those. Number four, and I think, honestly, I think we're into the top four. I, I think most people that love and appreciate the music of Will and Jennings would agree this is probably the top four for everybody. We might disagree on the order. But I think we'd agree that all four of these songs certainly worthy of inclusion on everybody's top ten list. But number four is Good-Hearted Woman. She's a good-hearted woman in love with a good-timing man. I think that's the song of the South. You know what I'm saying? It's like I know growing up when I was a kid, that's kind of how things were, you know. Just kind of how it all worked out. But uh, number three, off, to the, off the album uh, The Basics of Love, is Lukenbach, a song about Lukenbach, Texas, where Willie and Waylon and the boys. The successful life we're living, Scott is feuding like the Hatfields and McCoys. He was really a poet. I mean, he really was. And you go back, and it's not just that song, even, even though I think that is one of the greatest country western songs of all time. Anybody feeling no pain in Lukenbach, Texas? Number two, there are some people out there that would probably say this could be number one. Because I think for a, a generation of kids that their first exposure to Waylon Jennings 
was him singing the theme from the Dukes of Hazard, right? Just good old boys. I mean, we can sing it from memory right now because it was everywhere. It was absolutely everywhere because Waylon Jennings was the balladeer, right? It's a great song, even now. And even though it was written about a TV show, it just kind of holds true, you know, for, you know, small town Southern living. But number one, and I don't know that it could be anything else could be number one for me. And it's a duet. And it's mamas don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. And my mama didn't. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, it's a song about, you know, you know, cowboys and the lonely life they lead and that sort of stuff. And uh, I think a lot of people identify with that. I Listen, I didn't grow up. I grew up in the South, but I, I grew up, they would say, uh, country folks would have called me a city slicker because, uh, we, you know, we had cable TV and that sort of stuff in the 80s. That was kind of the dividing line, right? You, you didn't have... All that you had to have an antenna in the country and that sort of stuff. And um, but I appreciate the fact that uh, you know I am from a farming family, and my dad's uh, you know my dad was one of thirteen kids, and and uh, they they owned a huge dairy farm out there on Augusta Road in Ellisville, Mississippi. Most of uh, my aunts and uncles are still out there, but uh, I take a lot of pride in being from an ag family. And I know when my dad came to Mississippi State, it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to him. And uh, I know how incredibly proud he would be that uh, my two girls are at state now. He would be overjoyed with that decision, not just because they're Bulldogs, but because he felt like Mississippi State was a better representation of who we are as Mississippians. And um, I kind of share in that as well. And listen, you know, people can can choose to go to school wherever they want to. But uh, my dad used to say that anybody that picked an in-state school over Mississippi State couldn't be trusted because anybody that could screw up that decision clearly doesn't have good judgment. So, Daddy, if you're listening today, I hope that you appreciate the fact that I remember all those trips up and down small-town highways in Mississippi when my dad worked for Farmers Home Administration. He was a divorced dad and would have us a couple of weeks in June, a couple of weeks in August, and then, you know, we'd have to go to work with him. And so he'd be out riding the roads and uh, checking on farm equipment and that sort of stuff and doing what he had to do for Farmer's Home. And we rode the roads and uh, we drank knee-high sodas and we ate moon pies and we listened to Waylon Jennings. So, Dad, I love you. And uh, wherever you are today, I hope that you're doing well. All right, so let's get into uh, a little more Mississippi State stuff, right? This segment brought to you uh, by the fine folks at Campus Bookmark. Stand a man, I guarantee you, he's had a knee-high soda or two in his day. You probably got a moon pie in his desk drawer right now. Go by and check that out for yourself and ask him. Stand a man, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie, everybody involved with Campus Bookmark will treat you just like a king and queen because they see you as family. It's not just a job for them, it's a real passion. You can go by and find the, all the latest in Mississippi State apparel and novelty items and knickknacks and souvenirs, anything you want. It's got an M over S on it. Kathy Brown's probably already ordered it for you, and if not, she can get it for you. They got the pirate flags. They got the M over S stuff. And listen, we're getting ready for college baseball here in you know a couple months, and so go ahead and start thinking about what you're going to wear with those new shorts, right? Go ahead and get you a new M over S polo. You can do that at CampusBookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. Any order less than $50, absolutely incomplete. Again, that's campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Okay, so some of you have reached out to me and said, hey, you know, Steve, you know, I wish you'd get on board with men's basketball. Let me, let me explain a couple of things to you. Okay, so I said at the beginning of the year that this is going to be a transition year. Now, after those first two losses, I came on this show and said, hey, listen, you know, we need to be patient and everything else. Uh, To be fair, we're better than I expected us to be, and I don't mind telling you that. We always knew this was a talented team. We knew we had some talented pieces. But I think Ben Howard's done a pretty good job kind of meshing this thing together. Now, the ball game that we lost the game against Kentucky, that's when we let get away. And I do believe that's on the coaching staff because you know, we, we didn't have any timeouts left to set anything up, and uh, we didn't know what we were going to do in the half court, and we, we blew an opportunity to beat Kentucky. And it's a very mediocre Kentucky team. That said, a mark of a good coach and a mark of a good team is they bounce back. Kentucky didn't beat us twice. We played number 13 Missouri last night. We beat them, and I think I saw some numbers that what they're 2-9 and nine against us in men's basketball since they joined the league. I think that's right. 
It's ridiculous. We've absolutely dominated the Tigers home and away. And one of the games that we lost up there is when they called Lamar Peters for that travel that didn't happen. And so we're better than we expected. At least I expect this to be. I said all along, if we can get around 500 in league play, we've, it's been a good year, considering what we have coming back. I think now you look at it and say, okay, listen, we go on the road and we beat an undefeated Georgia. We get a double overtime with Kentucky. And then we come from behind and absolutely wax Missouri. I think now you can look at this and say, you know what, we might be a little bit better than that. We might be better than 500, Steve. And you know what? You're right. And I've said all along that Ben Howen is going to get another year regardless, unless something, you know, something just completely out of the left field happens. Because I think with this young nucleus of talent, you have to give him another year. When you look at everything that he lost a year ago, whether it be early decorations at the draft or transfers or whatever, you know, you need a year to kind of settle things, and that's what I believe this year is. This is, you know, this is kind of a, you know, a reshuffling year. This is a chance for us to kind of settle down again begin a new talent cycle, and then kind of push back towards NCAA tournament. Do I think we're an NCAA tournament team this year? And at this point, no, I don't. And here's the thing I think we need to prepare ourselves for, okay? There is going to be some up and down with a young team. I mean, we come out there and we get the big win over Missouri, right? And so we got to follow that up and put some things together, right? I won't be the least bit surprised if we drop a couple of games that we're, that we're expected to win, because that's going to happen. It's so hard to maintain an even emotional kill with any college player, but especially with young guys. But when you have a win like we had last night, sometimes that kind of fuels the belief that, you know what, we're a lot better than people thought we were, and maybe we're even better than we thought we were. So let's go get it done. And that's what happened last night. Let's be honest. Most of you and my inbox was full <laughs> on Twitter at halftime, we're down 39-27, listless offensively, like we had no idea what we wanted to do. And maybe this is one of those deals where Ben Howen has just been needing somebody to step up and say, okay, this is my team, you guys get on board. And we saw some of that happen last night, for sure, with uh, DJ Stewart. And to a lesser extent, Iverson Molinar. Both of them got hot together. DJ pitches in 24 points. Hands out four assists as well, pulls down three rebounds. Ten of 14 from the floor and four and four from the line. State 19 of 21 from the line as a team. That's been you know, kind of one of those things that we've dealt with. You know, we hadn't been a great free throw shooting team all year. And then last night we step up there and you needed every point to beat a quality team like Mizzou. I mentioned Iverson Molinar. He gets hot in the second half, too. He scores 20 points. And again, 5 of 5 from the line, 7 of 16 from the floor. So didn't shoot it with the same proficiency from the floor that DJ Stewart did, but made some big baskets late and uh, also had a big three there. Tulu Smith, man, what a great transfer he has been for us. This guy's a double-double machine. Comes up a rebound short of doing that last night. 15 points, 9 boards. And uh, you know, didn't get to the line last – pardon me, got five or six from the line last night, and he's a guy that's really struggled, you know, this year uh, from the line and has a good night last night. And those are the things you look at and say, okay, listen, if we're going to get double-digit scoring from three spots on the floor, and then you've got Abdul Adu down there kind of taking out the trash and affecting shots and playing without fouling, which is that's been the big thing with Adu. With is can you keep him on the floor? Can you keep him out of foul trouble? Well, last night, a dude just one personal foul. Three blocks, just has the six points, but pulls down seven rebounds. And how many other shots did he alter? And so that's big. A dude playing within himself, like a senior should. And he's a very, very intelligent guy. It's one of the things, too, that I think maybe people don't fully appreciate. You know, Abdul Dude got here kind of raw as a player. He's already earned his degree. He's doing great. He's not going to be back next year. I understand he's going to go play basketball with an athlete somewhere. But uh, big night for him last night, even though he didn't pitch in a lot uh, on the scoring side of things, just a sick points, but four of four from the line there. And, again, that's kind of the thing you look at. You've got to be able to score from the free throw line. That's been one of those things that's been an albatross for us. You know, And here's the thing, nine of 26 in the first half. Nine of 26 from the floor. Second half – 19 of 28. So we go from shooting 34 and flipping it to shooting almost 68% in the second half. 
That's the difference in the ball game. We shot the basketball better. We had some semblance of offense. We found some rhythm. And, I, and listen, it's great. I want Mississippi State to win all the time in every sport, no matter the consequences, no matter the circumstances, no matter the opponent. And we won last night. And again, I'm not going to sit here and project losses, but we need to be understand there is going to be some ebb and flow with a younger team. And uh, they are fun to watch. There's no doubt about it. They weren't necessarily fun to watch in that first half. But athletically, we've got some kids that can really get out and go when we let them. But they're also that mid-range game. It's, it's great. You know, we don't have that dominant post player where we can just pitch it down low and get an automatic two points. We don't have that. We've got to be a little more creative. But it was good to see last night. Big win for the Bulldogs. Big win, uh, to quote Rick Stansberry, big win for Mississippi State. Now, look at the schedule ahead here. You know, we're scheduled to be at Vanderbilt on Saturday, and you never know what's going on in Nashville. And then we're back in Humphrey Coliseum next Wednesday against A&M. You know, at this point, you, know, you look at this and you say, okay, well, Steve, who should we beat? Who should we lose to? I don't think that you can count any of that at this point. I think it's so young in the conference season and the fact that this Mississippi State team is probably talented enough to run with just about anybody in the conference. But it's going to depend on which team shows up. But again, I think if you go into this season thinking, okay, this is going to be a difficult year, it's going to be a rebuilding year, and then all of a sudden you look at the steps that we're taking, it's, it's almost like you're pleasantly surprised. I am, and, and my hope is we play exceptionally well down the stretch, but also understand we're going to lose some games we should win, and we're going to win some games we probably shouldn't because we have the talent to do it, but we also have the inexperience. It's going to lend itself, and sometimes, sometimes talent's not enough, Right? Look at the women's side of things. And, listen, I, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Some of you guys, I think, are being a little bit hard on uh, Nikki McCray-Pinson, okay? Um, I think Nikki's going to be a great coach for us. Now, you know, people forget she's never coached at this level as a head coach. And, of course, she had, she had the big whistle at, at Old Dominion and had them playing really well. It took them a couple of years to kind of get their, their system in place. But I understand that's the reason you take a job like this is because of high expectations. You know, people expect you to play exceptionally well when you come to Mississippi State. That's what people expect. That's what Vic Schaefer has built here. It wasn't always the case. For for decades, we didn't care about women's basketball. Then LaToya Thomas comes and Tan White comes, and all of a sudden we're like, hey, this is fun. Okay, this is neat. And then that time passed, and we were like, okay, well, let me just go back to the baseball game. And then Vic Schaefer comes in here and builds a nationally relevant program. As you guys know, played for two national championships. We didn't win them. Should have won a second one, but we didn't. And so we've gotten a little spoiled. And one thing that I'll say, and I'm not saying this to be critical of, of Nikki in any way. You know, Vic is a guy that had been through the wars, okay? Now, Vic was an assistant coach at Texas A&M, just as Nikki was an assistant coach at South Carolina. So both have seen what it takes to win championships nationally as assistant coaches. Now, Vic came in, a little more of an emphasis on the defensive end, right? And I, listen, Vic's one of those kind of guys, too, says, hey, you give me the four-minute mark, I'll get you home. We're struggling with a little bit of that. But again, we've got a coach that is learning her players, and we have players that are kind of learning a new way of doing things. And, and again, should we have won the game against Kentucky? Yeah, we should have. We should have. We should have won the game. We didn't. That's not to say Kentucky's not a great team. They are. And that win is going to be big for them down the stretch because we're going to win a lot of basketball games this year. But I'm just going to ask everybody, just take a little bit of a deep breath, okay? She's not Vic, okay? Uh, Victoria Vivians and Tierra McCowan not running out of locker room, okay? Rakia Jackson's a star, Right? Matharu is a star, but these are young players in many respects really kind of learning that this, hey, this is your team, okay? There was no doubt late in ball games what we were going to do. We had a huge advantage inside. We were going to drop it down to Tierra. There was nothing anybody could do to stop her. The only thing they could stop her was the officials, right? We don't have that luxury. And that's not to say that Jessica's not playing well because she is. Matter of fact, when we were down three late in that ball game, she takes a feed down low, gets the hoop and arm, makes a free throw to tie the ball game, put us in a position to win the game. But she's not Tierra McCowan. Rakia Jackson, great player. She's not Victoria Vivians. 
That's not to say that she won't be good or better before her career is done. But you know, when we would go through these long droughts sometimes and need a basket, we knew 35 could get us one. Whether that was her putting one on the floor and getting to the line and getting a three-point play or her hitting the bomb from outside or her driving down, dishing down to Tierra or kicking it out uh, to, Blair, to Blair Schaefer. It's a different team. And I know a lot of people, including myself, expect them to compete for an SEC championship this year. I don't think South Carolina is quite as good as people expect them to be. They did lose a lot. They're still a great team. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, when you drive games like that to Kentucky, you think, well, you know what, those are losses that will cost us in the end because there's no margin for error when you're chasing a team as great as South Carolina. But we're a great team, too. We're a great program. We're just kind of finding a sense of ourselves. And we've got to find somebody late in ball games that's going to say, you know what, this is my game, it's my team, this is my shot. We don't have that yet. We don't. There's some people that may have the mentality, but they don't always have that same level of execution. Because you and I both know if Victoria Vivian's had the ball late with the shot clock winding down, she was going to make the basket. She was. Because there was, just, there was that dog in her. We, that hadn't fully developed yet with this team. It hadn't. It's not to say we don't have talent. We do. But I think everybody just kind of take a deep breath here. Because, listen, my inbox fills up, oh, this is not going to work out. Guys, give it some time. We're going to be on the road Thursday against Florida. We've done really well against Florida in, uh, in recent years, as you guys know. They're not necessarily very uh, as committed, shall we say, to women's hoop. And I don't even know that they care. I mean, that's just – they've got so many sports down there. I think it's one of those things where they uh, – you know, it, it's kind of like just something else to do. Florida currently 7-3 and three on the year – Got absolutely shelled by uh, South Carolina, 75-59. to Then they had the Vandy game postponed. And then A&M gets them 92-67 in Gainesville. So this is a game that I expect us to go down there and win. And not, listen, nothing heals losing wounds more than victory does, right? We can get on Twitter. We can do these videos. We can talk a good game. We can do a press conference. Nothing comes than madness more than going and winning a ball game. Go down there and beat Florida and then come back home and be ready to go. That, that's what needs to happen, and that's what I expect will happen. That's the thing when you look at this thing and say, well, you know, we've lost two ball games, both of them in overtime, right? Both of them in double overtime, and both of them to NCAA tournament teams. So we're going to figure it out. Lady, Lady Bulldogs back in Humphrey Coliseum on Sunday against Ole Miss. Be a big ball game. We've got to win that one for sure. Got to win that one. And I think if we get – we've got a stretch here. I think we can, uh, you know, put together maybe three wins and then we go to A&M for a huge showdown down there on uh, ESPN2 on January 17th. If you would like to attend basketball games at greater regularity, baseball games at greater regularity, maybe you need to live in Starkville. I would love for you to be here. We enjoy you guys being here. It's like a family reunion. I don't want too many of you to come because I don't want to have to wait for tables at my favorite restaurants. But if you're considering moving to Starkville, let me encourage you. Give our friends at Portico an opportunity. Great new housing development right off Garrett Road behind Hilton Garden Inn and the Cryford Jeep dealership. Just over a mile from campus, easy access to 82 and 25. It's going to be a major development, but not so much you know, not so major that you're not going to have a little room to breathe there. 51 houses total, 18 houses in the first phase, and there will be 33 houses in the second phase that will begin construction in a few months. Houses will range in size from 1,300 to 2,000 square feet and from two-bedroom, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. Porticos include a walking trail and pavilion area, so you can get out and kind of exercise a little bit or, you know, have a cookout, whatever you'd like to do. Mississippi State fan, Mississippi State Diamond Dog, Mississippi State Aficionado, True Maroon, Brooks Bryan, who once robbed a home run against the University of Washington to send us to Omaha, right? Brooks is one of the developers. You can get more information about this, about Brooks's catch or uh, what it was like to play with Chris Lauterhouse uh, by calling him at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Go check it out. We'd love for you to be here. 
And you want to be in the new nice development, right? You know what I'm saying? You don't want to go into the aging neighborhood, you know, when people are kind of moving out. You want your kids to have the new neighborhood, new construction. That way, you know, throughout their lifetime, you're going to have, or the time they're home anyway, you're going to have new stuff, right? That's the fun part of it. Let's talk a little bit about some of these departures in addition to the uh, Lee Witherspoon transfer. So Errol Thompson announced that uh, that he was going to come out and uh, enter the NFL draft. Absolutely wish him the best. And uh, I understand both sides of this deal, okay? And let me go ahead and prepare you guys. Kobe Jones, Marquis Spencer, all going to come come out too. They're all going to go in the draft. I, I think that it's probably 50-50 with Greg Island, Darian Parker. I would say right now both are probably leaning towards not coming back. And people would say, Steve, I don't understand. Man, they've been in college five years. You know, five years. And as much fun as it is, some guys say, you know what, I'm just ready to get out and go make some money, even if it's doing something else besides football. And so they'll hope to get an undrafted free agent, you know, situation out there. And a lot of people look at Elton Jenkins and say, you know what, I could do that too. Even if you don't have Elton Jenkins' ability, you look at how well Elton Jenkins is playing and say, you know what, if he's an all-pro, I'm probably good enough to make a practice squad. And so that's how some people think. But, you know, going to school, you know, you got to think – 12 years of school and then five years of college and then going through the SEC. And if you're, you know, if you're not a pro prospect, you could say, you know, well, what do I really gain by coming back? I'm not going to be a pro prospect next year. I would say come back and play another year and live like a king because once you get to be an old guy out here and you get a little gray in your beard, you got to wear glasses to drive, you do anything to go back and play just one more year, just one more game, one more play. Goodness gracious. You know, it's, it's all over with before you realize it. You know what I'm saying? You get old pretty quick. And the next thing you know, you're like, man, I wish I had one more game. One more game. The other side of it is, is you know what? I've been doing this. I'm beat up. I'm broke up. And there's not a reward at the end of the rainbow for me. I'm not going to go play in the NFL, and I know this, so maybe it's time to get on with my life. There will be some of that. I think Errol Thompson does have a professional football future ahead of him. I think Kobe Jones, Marquis Spencer probably do as well. I could see a situation where only Kyle and Hill was drafted, though. I absolutely could. That's not to say that Errol Thompson and those guys won't make a roster, but I could see that. I could see, I think those four guys, Marquise, who is banged up, and there were some people telling me uh, that he may, and he hadn't announced yet, but I was told that, uh, you know, he may consider coming back. But I'm told now he is leaning towards going pro. And, of course, Errol is public. I expect Kobe to go pro at any time. But I think those four guys, Colin, Kobe, Errol, Marquise, best chance to have a Bulldog drafted. You know, one of the things I think about with the Colin Hill stuff is, you know, how, how much of this is going to carry with him? How much is this going to follow him? I mean, because these NFL investigators are like the KGB. I mean, that's just the truth of the matter. If they're going to invest millions of dollars in a football player, they're going to do their due diligence. And if that means they got to go out here and – you know, give somebody a thousand bucks or whatever to get information about a party or anything like that to get to, to ensure that they're making a good investment with their money. They're going to do that. They are. These people are great at their jobs. If you have ever been at a party where somebody, if somebody had ever smoked a joint or uh, had underage drinking there, even if you didn't participate, they're going to know about it, right? And so I wonder about all of that, you know, because all this stuff has happened, you know. Uh, Kylan Hill's a good person. And I know a lot of people out there would disagree with that. And that there's a time that you know, he hadn't been able to process his emotions the way that he, I'm sure he would be proud of. He's made some mistakes. He's a very talented guy. And I know some people are like, oh, he quit on us and he shouldn't represent us in the senior bowl. I, I don't feel that way. I, I don't. There are a lot of other players that opted out this year too. And you could say, well, they quit on their team. You know what? And you can define it however you want to. I'm still grateful to Colin Hill for his contributions to Mississippi State, and I hope he gets a chance to play pro football. I hope all the Bulldogs that declare for the draft this year have a chance to go play, and I hope they have a chance to go you know, take care of their families and, and change their family tree forever. I, I really hope and pray that is the case. I know that is not realistic, but I hope they at least get a chance to know. But for those that say, you know what, man, I'd, I'd love one more rodeo. I'd love one more shot at this thing. I'd love to have one more game where maybe I get a chance to hoist a golden egg on senior day and then ride off into the sunset and go win another bowl game. Maybe I get a chance to go do something else really cool. Because when you, when you look back at all this through, through the lens of former athletehood, you know what I'm saying? 
you know, yeah, we all get out and run around a little bit and play a little hoops and that sort of stuff. Some people play a little golf, call themselves an athlete, but you know what I'm saying. You look back at your prime and you think, man, I wish I'd have had one more year. And so my hope is that you get people like, uh, you know, Mike Leach and Jay Perry and people like that, that that have been around the block a little bit and said, hey, listen, here's the deal. Talk to a couple teams. You're not on their draft boards. But you know what? One more year, you don't know what can happen. You can play your way in. And you get a chance to come back, and you don't count against the 85 scholarship, but you, you remain on scholarship. And so you can finish up your degree or perhaps get your master's degree. And it's on our bill. Not to mention you get to live like a king for another year. You're on scholarship. You get free clothes, get free housing, get to go to all the great parties, right? It's good work if you can get it. And I know some people say, oh, look, and, you know, a lot of our seniors aren't coming back. Yeah, I wrote an article about this the other day. We only had 16 scholarship seniors this year, 16. Scott Lashley, of course, gets injured in fall camp. And, uh, you know, his plans are, you know, I, I was told shortly after that, it, that injury happened that he was probably done with football. I don't know what he's thinking today. K.J. Costello gets injured. He's done. Then you have a handful of guys like Corey Charles, Kareem Walker, in a transfer portal. Never really made a significant contribution here. I mean, so it's like they're not coming back, but they weren't contributing anyway. And that's not to be critical of them, okay? I think everybody does their best. Sometimes you're just not quite good enough. But they came in here and they stuck it out. And, uh, you know, they're trying to find a great opportunity somewhere else. And so hopefully they find somewhere they can play. Because, again, you only get a short time in life to play ball. And even if that means you got to go play Division II or NAIA or FCS ball, if you get a chance to go make some memories, man, go do it, okay? Especially if you know you're not going to play here. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't expect at this point, I, I would say C.J. Morgan coming back, Fred Peters coming back, possibly Javante Payton. Outside of that, I don't know that anybody else is coming back. And you know what? That's Okay. Colin Hill opt out, right? Dante Jones, Deontay Jones opt out. And now, you know, some of those guys are getting into the draft. Some of them are going in the portal. But we only had 16 seniors. And you know what I bet you didn't know? The only seven of them played in the bowl game. And two of them, Peyton and LaQuinston Sharp, only played on special teams. So if you're starting 22, you only had five of those guys that were seniors. Right? I mean, run it back. You can see for yourself. Five seniors that played regular snaps in a bowl game. That we won. And I think that only just kind of underscores how young this team is. We are not a senior-laden team. And most of the people carrying the weight, especially on offense, freshmen. Right? You look defensively, yeah, are you going to miss Kobe Jones? Yeah, you are. Did Kobe have a huge year? No, he didn't. But Kobe Jones is a great locker room guy. Kobe Jones played hard every snap. Marquis Spencer probably had the best year of his career, and of course he gets banged up and misses the last couple ball games. Errol Thompson, one of the best to ever play linebacker at Mississippi State. You're gonna miss him. You, you, you bet you, you bet your tail you are. You're absolutely gonna miss those guys. But we thank them for their contributions and wish them the best in the future. I'd love to have them all back. You know, wouldn't that be great to have them all back? But we've addressed that, looking to sign four defensive ends in this class, and you know. You miss the experience, but you know what? we got we got to go out and, and move on. At some point, everybody moves on. There's no free agent period in college football. doesn't work that way. You don't get to play until you retire. You only get four years of eligibility, and these guys get a novelty year because of the, the virus. But that's where things stand today. So I don't expect many of our seniors to come back. And I know some people, you see that as a negative. But look at it this way. When you were in college, how ready were you to get out and have a regular life? You know what I'm saying? How ready were you? to get out and get your own place and get a job and have some money in your pocket, be able to go out and eat. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's like you know, I, it isn't too far removed for me when I think about being a starved college student because I've had three in my family uh, here in the last few years. And I let them starve a little bit, right? I wasn't going to spoil them, let them budget their money a little bit. But, uh, you know, if I know that I'm not going to ever play in the National Football League, Coming back for another year, that, that, that's something i got to think about, especially if I've got a job lined up, especially if I was expecting to graduate. And I was like, you know what, I've got an opportunity to go get a great job and kind of begin my real life here, so I'm going to go do that. And even if that means if i got to step away from football, 
that's what I got to do. Because in the end, that's what we all have to do. At some point, you got to grow up. And if you see that that professional football dream is not realistic, you got to make an adult decision. So as much as we'd like to have them back, I wish all of those guys the absolute best in all their pursuits, whether they be in football or not. And I thank them for their contributions to Mississippi State. If you want to read about great Mississippi State athletic memories, I encourage you to go to alphadogsthebook.com. Just learned yesterday, alphadogs nominated for book of the year in the state of Mississippi. How cool is that? I don't think I got a chance at winning that thing, but it's really cool to be nominated for that. It's one of those things, too, I look back sometimes and I pinch myself. You know, I've written three books, and all three of them have been on the Mississippi bestseller list, and I believe, if memory serves me correctly, I've been on the bestseller list in Mississippi this year 46 out of 52 weeks, and that's two books from Starkville and to Alpha Dogs. And then Alpha Dogs, of course, is nominated for a book of the year. And, uh, again, I don't expect to win that, but I'm so incredibly grateful and humbled by that opportunity and uh, – Maybe just writing things going to work out. i got some other things working this year. Looking forward to sharing those with you. 2021 should be a big year for us. Looking forward to covering every bit of it. And uh, looking forward to some baseball. I mean, I'm looking forward to talking baseball with you guys. And uh, final thoughts, man. Uh, don't get too down about the Parkers on football. This is inevitable. Don't get too up or down about this men's basketball team. And, and please give Nikki McCray-Pinson a little bit of a break. Give her a little chance to get settled in. She's a good coach. We made, we made a good hire there. Let's give her a little time. And, um, you know, recruiting is uh, going to ramp up here in the, in the weeks to come, and we'll have some information for you on that. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.